Hi and welcome to my podcast, Five Things with Emma, with me, Emma Chadwick. Each week on a Monday, I will release a new episode where I will take a popular health-related subject and share five things with you that will help you navigate this confusing world of health, fitness and nutrition. I will share my personal experiences and those of my clients who I work with as a personal trainer and nutritionist. Let's get started. Hi and welcome to this episode. Today we are going to be talking about the perimenopause and whether you are in it or not. So I know there is loads of info at the moment about perimenopause. There's so many social media posts. I'm also involved in that. Uh, But there's also a lot of confusing and conflicting ads that are popping up in Facebook for you need to take these vitamins. There's also lots of diets out there that are saying they're menopause. That's the only way for menopause women to lose weight. So I kind of wanted to come to this with a different angle, a more realistic one, a practical one, and one that's not going to cost you any money. (laughs) Um, I mean, the great thing about all this info being in the media is is that it's creating a lot more of awareness for women. Uh, Because I think in the past, there's been a lot of taboo subjects around the perimenopause and I feel like we're talking about it a lot more as well but of course with that with the good information that's out there there comes a heap of shit too so basically I wanted to come and talk about kind of lifestyle changes that we can make um and I want to talk about five things that I would recommend based on what I know and what I've learned so basically if you're having changes in your cycle you are likely perimenopausal. So that basically means that your sex hormones are dropping and changing. So if you have gone from being really regular with your period and they're very light and all of a sudden you're getting them every three weeks or they're becoming further apart or they're heavier or there's just some changes, then probably having change you're probably having change in hormones. So um, if you're um, a certain age, say... 40s just going into your 40s it's actually highly likely that you're perimenopausal so um, and and even even younger these days I mean so many more people are getting diagnosed younger so perimenopause is basically the eight to ten years before you go through the menopause so before your periods actually stop so your periods need to have stopped for a length of 12 months for that to be classed as the menopause. And the average age for that is around 51. So like I said, if you're in your 40s, you know, chances are you're in perimenopause. It's definitely more common for women to go through this earlier. What I would say is ask your mom how old she was and your change could be coming around of a similar time depending on if that was that was um, medical um, or natural. So my mum, for example, um, had a hysterectomy when she was younger, so kind of got kicked into it early. Um, so uh, again, it, it, re- it really differs between everybody. So like I said, I want to come at this podcast from a lifestyle angle, as I'm obviously not a doctor. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about HRT, so hormone replacement therapy, because I do feel like that is out of my lane a little bit. But I certainly feel like I know enough and feel educated enough to advise on lifestyle and how that can make us feel better during this stage of our lives. That's a really long stage. So it's important to navigate that and feel feeling our best as much as we can do. 
So I'll start a little bit with my journey. So I'm only 42, um, which may seem super early to be thinking about the menopause. But since I have been digging a little bit deeper and learning, I am very aware of the changes that are happening in my body, like hyper aware. (laughs) I talk about it all the time. I live and breathe hormones and the perimenopause. And I think just because I know so much about it, I'm really aware of my symptoms. So for me personally, I've always been really lucky with my cycle. My family have got such a bad history with endo. Um, and you know, my mum had a hysterectomy, like I just mentioned earlier. My sister has got PCOS. My other sister has trouble with her periods as well. And I've always been really lucky. I'm not sure how, um, but I would, you know, I would say I had it easy compared to many of my friends and my family. So going through kind of the menopause was definitely not on my mind until about a year ago, I really noticed a shift in my period. So most of them arriving early. So for example, me personally, getting my periods every three weeks, having some really crazy flood days, the kind of days where you can't even leave the house because you're too scared of leaking. Um, you know, this is this is something we should be talking about more because it's it's horrible and it's you know you can't do things. Sometimes they will last long too, so they would just be there for ages. You know, even going into like towards ten days, not not heavy, but just change. They were just different. Then they would go away and they would come back. Sometimes I would have a really normal month. Sometimes I still do. This month, for example, had a really normal month. I barely noticed it. And then I also went through this phase of every night I had a night sweat. This is really random, but at 9.30 p.m. every night, me and Chaddy would be sat there watching telly and <laughs> I would just start having this sweat and I would be taking all my clothes off and Chaddy would be like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I'm having a sweat. I am so hot and uncomfortable. And then it would just go. And then I'd just go to bed and everything would be fine. And that kind of lasted a few months and then it just went away. And that was probably about a year ago too. Other things I've noticed are I started to have a very strange sensation in my hands in the morning. A sensation that I can't really explain. It's not pins and needles because I know some people suffer with that, but it's it's more like a numbness. Like I have to really kind of like open them and close them in the morning to kind of get them feeling again and I've also noticed a real weakness in my muscles um, which is awful for me as a weight trainer because I feel like I went through a very recent phase of not being able to progress feeling really weak nothing had changed I couldn't understand it and it was definitely in line with my cycle um, I've also noticed things like low lower motivation not specifically with uh, my training because that's just a habit for me now but just like really dark low moods um you know can't get out of a kind of you know what's the word like get a hump <laughs> like I just can't get over the, the mood and I can't understand why I'm feeling like that and also I suffer with restless legs and I definitely go through like really Um, highs and lows with that sometimes I'll be fine and then other times I just literally can't sit down my legs are just going crazy especially at night and in bed Uh, but I'd say the biggest one for me is the brain fog and the memory loss more recently so I've had brain fog for quite a while and I've always put it down to things like 
um too much alcohol or you know just being too busy not having space in my brain to process things but literally forgetting words as well that's definitely a new one and with my dad he's got um, Lewy body's dementia I'm always thinking shit am I getting dementia early like my dad did and so this is all in the last year there's some other bits as well, such as really dry eyes, increased anxiety days, and some crappy hormonal sleeps, which I always just put down to, you know, just being hormonal. So that, that's kind of where I'm at, at the moment. And that's only the beginning for me. Um, and like I said, a lot of these things I probably would have just pushed to the side if I'd not started learning about the perimenopause. Um, and I think that's what a lot of us do, don't we? So I think it's really important. Just be aware of these things because we actually don't have to just suffer. We don't have to suffer in silence. It's not just something we have to put up with. Um, so anyway, let's, let's jump in. So like I said, I know I have it easy compared to others, but I just want to bust a couple of really important myths that I think are important to know about. And I think a lot of people associate, and the first one is a lot of people associate menopause with just night sweats. The amount of clients I have had who've said to me, oh, I sailed through menopause because I didn't get any sweats. And I'm like, that is not even the start of menopause like if you don't get nice sweats that's amazing because up to 80 percent of women do actually get them and they can be awful and I'm really lucky I had that that one sweat a day I can't imagine getting them you know constantly um but they're actually 34 recognized symptoms of the menopause some are not not well known at all but they include things like itchy skin all the time, hair loss, which you might notice as you get older, a change even just in the body odor, the smell that you are when you sweat, the, the change in your body odor, a burning mouth, um, tinnitus or tinnitus, depending on where you're from, um, which is a horrible one, joint pain, higher blood pressure. So um, if you're in your 40s, in your 50s, and you're seeing your blood pressure go higher, I'm not saying it is definitely the menopause, but it certainly could be a factor. Um, so it's really important to just make yourself aware of those symptoms to see kind of which boxes you're ticking, because night sweats is not the only sign to say you're going through these changes. Um, the second myth is menopause is not diagnosed with a blood test. Again, lots of people are going to the doctor and doctors who probably are not that aware, not very informed, not very educated around the menopause because if they're not going out to physically train and learn about menopause, they're not learning a lot when they're actually training as a doctor about menopause. It's apparently it's like one or two days they get on it, which is absolutely crazy. So you need to really go and see a, a specialist doctor, someone who's trained in the menopause, and that's probably not your local GP unless you're really lucky. So a lot of people are going along to the doctors and they're saying, hey, I think I'm menopausal. The doctor's giving them a blood test and saying, no, no, your hormones are fine. Off you pop. Or they're going, okay, let me give you these antidepressants. That'll sort you out. And they're just dismissing the whole clinical symptoms that they got. So basically, you're actually diagnosed as perimenopausal or menopausal by your clinical symptoms, which are then 34 recognized symptoms of the menopause that I just spoke about. So if you are going to the doctor and he's just dismissing you and you know there's something wrong with you, you know your body, you know something's changed, you need to get a new doctor and you need to just have a look and find out where you can find them doctors. And there are a couple of websites um, that I'll actually put in my um, notes um, that link to menopause-friendly doctors in Australia and the UK. 
So um, that's really, really important because you shouldn't be left feeling frustrated or feeling like you're going crazy when you leave that doctor's surgery. That's not cool. So let's jump in to my five things about lifestyle that can really help you during this time. Um, And I'm going to start with the most important one. Well, I think all of these are important, but this is my favorite one, uh, which won't surprise anybody if you listen to my, I think it was my last podcast is, so I won't go on about it too much, is weight training. So if you haven't, please go and listen to my last podcast on why we should all be lifting weights. So I won't go on about it too much here, but in a nutshell, after 30, we are losing three to 5% of muscle every year. So if you're not resistance training, this is eventually going to lead to osteopenia or osteoporosis. So basically your muscles kind of degenerate every single year. So if you're not helping them get stronger with weight training, and lots of other different things, but we're talking about weight training here, then your bones and your muscles are going to get weaker and your bones are much more likely to break. This will also lead you to being and looking more frail. You'll not be strong. Your metabolism will be slower. Muscle is great for metabolic health. I mean, the list is endless. I could keep going on, but in the, just to try and keep this podcast under half an hour, please go and listen to that podcast it's going to change your life if you are not weight training already. So that would be my first one. Number two is walking and cardiovascular exercise. So this is going to lead me on to heart health here. So Uh, So basically, I didn't want to give a whole segment to weight management. We all know we're supposed to be in a healthy weight for healthy longevity and healthy life. Yeah. Um, But I know that's easier said than done. So what I would like to talk about here is walking and cardio because I think they are obviously awesome for your heart health and for weight management. So basically when your sex hormone estrogen falls, which is hap- which happens during menopause and menopause, the cholesterol in your blood often rises, which can lead to fatty deposit- deposits building up inside your large blood vessels. This narrowing of the artery can then lead to an increased risk of heart attacks and strokes, okay? So when your estrogen is falling, your basically your risk of heart disease goes higher. But before you get there, you could see an increase in your blood pressure and cholesterol. So it's often passed off by doctors, again, as hereditary or stress-related, which it totally could be. 100%, especially cholesterol, that's definitely hereditary. But again, of course, it is related to diet as well. And it is related to stress, blood pressure specifically related to stress. But if you're perimenopausal, it could also be a factor. So being in a healthy weight range can obviously help your heart health, which leads me to walking and cardio. So basically walking every day is just such an easy thing to introduce into your daily day into your daily routine. So what I would say is that walking at a pace that really pushes your heart rate is a great idea. So if you live in Oyster Bay like me, walking up hills (laughs) is a really great way to increase your fitness. Um, So anything that gets you out of breath, but it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Do what you enjoy. For those women who have gained weight over time, so for the the women who are feeling like they're gaining weight in the middle, this is actually reduced walking and reduced cardio over time is probably the culprit. 
So you're just likely not as active as you used to be. If you think about how you used to run around in your 20s and your 30s after the young kids, now the kids are older, you're probably driving them around more. You probably didn't track your steps back then, but now you're tracking them now. So you don't see the changes that you've made over time. But I just want to give you a little bit of perspective here that actually even just the smallest changes makes such a big difference over time. So just 2,000 to 4,000 steps per day less equals 150 to 400 calories, okay? So even being, so less burnt that is. So if you're doing 2,000 to 400 steps less per day than you were say 10 years ago, and that equals to burning less calories because you're expending less energy and that equals to around 150 to 400 calories now the reason why that's such a big number is because I don't know kind of where you're at weight wise so the, the heavier you are the more calories you expend so let's take the 150 calories say you're eat, you're burning 150 calories less over your maintenance calories every day that actually equals to 1 kg over 50 days that's nearly 5 kg in one year. So just to give you some perspective, doing less steps over one year could equal to you gaining weight and changing nothing about your diet. So if you think about that over a kind of 10 year period, it's like, hello, what, that's where that weight gains come from. Definitely could be a factor. So having a step goal, which is why I always have step goals in my program, is a really good way to keep you accountable, keep you active keep you consistent. Now, step goals are different for everybody. It really depends on where you're coming from and where you're at. But just as a guide, 8,000 steps a day is a great aim just to be kind of generally active, getting yourself out your chair, off your bum, outside for a walk, gives you better heart health. 10,000 is a great for for weight maintenance. But again, it's really different for everybody. And it really depends on where you're at and what your diet looks like. So um, walking and cardio, anything that gets you a bit out of breath and a bit puffed is really, really good for your heart health. So that's definitely a good one um, to include in your day. Number three, which I know might not be popular for some, it's definitely not popular for me. And it's something that I've been working on for a really long time is to reduce alcohol intake. I think we all know, though it's not good for us, <laughs> there are literally zero positives to drinking alcohol except for that little little buzz that we get after we have like a first couple of sips where we think we're relaxing. Um, unfortunately, it's actually making all your symptoms worse and it's making weight loss, weight loss so much harder. It's making building muscle so much harder. It's affecting your cravings it's affecting your appetite, your sleep, even though you think you're going to sleep because it obviously it obviously has a, a sedative effect. So you fall asleep easy. It absolutely affects your quality of sleep, which is why even after 10 hours of sleep and you still feel like shit when you wake up because you're not going through the whole cycles of sleep. It's going to increase your hot flushes. It's going to make you more anxious the next day. You're going to feel more stressed and irritable. And honestly, that's just to name a few. But we actually know this, right? We still do it. Why do we still do this? It's actually crazy when you say those things out loud. It's like, why the frigging hell do I actually even drink? Anyway, if you find it easy not to drink, then just don't bother drinking. There's absolutely no point. But if you do find this difficult, like me, um, who does like a glass of wine and a glass of champers um, every now and again, 
sticking to the recommended amounts, the government recommended amounts, which I think is just like a bottle of wine over a week and try not to do it kind of every day, kind of try and have like, you know, two days where you drink out of the week and five days off um, and try not to binge drink. So binge drinking, I think would be like three, three glasses of wine or more. I might be wrong there. That might not be right. I might have completely made that up, but it's something like that. Um, yeah. And it'll just help you avoid those hangovers. It's still going to affect your sleep a little bit and you're still going to be a bit tired from it. But you know, if you're only doing it now and again, like moderation is key for everything and drinking, it certainly applies. So that would be my third tip. Number four is the two P's, plants and protein. Okay, so if you can make two changes to your diet, it's having a focus on these two things. There are so many studies and it pops up so often that the Mediterranean diet is the best diet in the world when it comes to health and balance. Um, and that's because it's just ticking all the boxes of everything we need. You're eating plants. It includes veggies and different colors of fruits. And you've got nuts, seeds, legumes, beans. They're full of vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, um, phytonutrients. It's basically everything we need to have a healthy body, right? Um, also, because the Mediterranean diet is just so full of plants, it adds volumes to our food, loads of fiber, and it's great for our gut health. So this is ideally how we all should be eating because there's also lots of great fats in there and there's loads of fish. And Anyway, again, a different podcast for the Mediterranean diet. But one thing I would say is, you know, increase, making sure... So when I say increase your protein. I don't mean have a high protein diet. I basically just mean make sure you're having protein with every meal. It doesn't have to be that hard. Um, and, and same with plants, having two or three or four, two, three, four plus plants with every meal is a really good way to get different plants in your diet. So aiming, I mean, I love counting my plants. <laughs> I'm a bit of a saddo. I literally write them down on this little thing that I have on my fridge um, every time I eat a plant. And sometimes I'll choose a different thing because it's a different color than I usually would if I wasn't counting. So it actually really works for me, encourages me to have different things in my day. Uh, but aiming for 30 different plants a week, it's not as hard as it sounds. And like I said, protein. So as I mentioned, we lose muscle as we age. We need to stimulate that muscle for it to grow. So what we do is we resistance train. So we stimulate that muscle. And then we need to make sure we're helping that recover to grow. So eating that protein stimulates the muscle protein synthesis. So for those of us who are just here for general health and we're not bodybuilding, which is probably everybody who is listening, a practical tip is to aim for at least 25 to 30 grams of protein every time you eat a meal throw in a high protein snack there and you're winning that's enough that's fine but those people who are not prioritizing protein every time they eat a meal you're probably not ticking them boxes and it could be contributing to a lot of things such as not recovering from any training you're doing making you feel tired weak hair weak nails oh, and the list is endless so making sure we're prioritizing protein and plants is obviously, it's going to really, really change things for you. They don't need to overcomplicate it. Okay. Number five, a really important one is sleep. I've mentioned sleep a couple of times. Um, and some, some people genuinely can't sleep. Some people have young children. Some people have disturbances or they're shift workers, but you can only do what you can do here, right? So you can do your best. Um, but if you are not 
not sleeping because of night sweats or insomnia or something like that, then you probably do need to go to the doctors and find out how they can help you a little bit more. You might, if, if it's a perimenopausal thing, I think progesterone is the thing that you might need. So you might need to top up your progesterone levels. I'm not going to talk about HRT though. Um, but if you are staying up late, scrolling, watching telly, or doing some work at crazy hours, then it, you can change this. So you are in charge of sorting your sleep out. Um, and I think they call it sleep hygiene. We need to focus on getting seven to nine hours sleep every night. The research just, just supports this so, so much. Going to bed earlier can change your whole day. I literally get in bed at nine o'clock every night. I'm asleep for 9.30. I'll read for a little and um, I naturally wake up at kind of half five, quarter to six because my body's like, okay, cool. You've had enough. You're rested. It doesn't go that way every night. And I just, but that's what I try to do. So trying to go to bed at the same time and wake up every time is really, really good for your circadian rhythm. It's going to make such a difference to your whole day the next day, your mood, how hungry you are, how irritated you are by things um it really is gonna make a difference so that would be I honestly feel like these five points are all as important as the other but that's my number five and my biggest tip there is if you are struggling to go to bed earlier just start by going 15 minutes earlier kind of every three nights until you get to your desired time where you're hitting that kind of seven to nine hours sleep so they are my five things. So I'm really trying to keep this under 30 minutes, which I think I'm being successful at. So these these five things are not groundbreaking. They don't cost you anything. There's no fads. There's nothing crazy. They're just basic stuff. They're just basic things. Um, I did mention before, if I had to have a sixth, it probably would be to be in a healthy weight range. Uh, but I feel like if you're doing these five things that I just spoke about and ticking them boxes, you'll definitely be on your way to being there. Um, and if you're not, then yeah, you probably need to be looking at creating an energy deficit somewhere to try and get you in that healthy weight range, because that is really going to help you with your symptoms as well. My program, Lift with Emma, my 12-week program, it's not specifically for perimenopausal or menopausal women, but being one myself, this is how I live my life. Um, and these are the things that you need to be doing to be a healthier person. You do not need to be intimate. 95% of cases, you do not need to be intimate fasting. You do not to be keto, do, doing keto diets. You do not need to be taking crazy vitamins that cost the absolute earth they might benefit you a little bit and that's great if they do and if you can afford that and if you're in a position where you can actually afford those things and they make a difference to you then that's great you should crack on and do that but if you're not doing these basic things you're doing yourself a disservice my 12-week program covers all these basic behaviors we really hone in on them i promise you after the 12 weeks if you put in the work and you follow the protocols and we're doing them and we work on the behaviors as we go along, you are going to be feeling like a new person in control. You are, you're going to know, you, you're just going to feel great. Um, so that's where I will wrap up today. I hope you have enjoyed this and took something away from it. Um, I think these things are really important to do. Um, and if you do need any help or you want to have a chat about implementing any of these or have any questions, please feel free to message me. I'll put all the links in the, the notes on the podcast. But have an amazing day and I'll see you next time.